the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into hour three six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. I don't know if I'm crazy or not, but that was just one of my favorite interviews from the guest. I mean, as a guest, one of my favorite guests, first timer, and um, you know this phrase I hate, but you all know what it means, and it conjures up. Um, he gets it. For someone to get it, he gets it. He gets it. You know this country is blessed by um, people sometimes who see us better for who we are when they come from other countries. I'm thinking of the Marquis de Lafayette, who after our revolution said liberty now has a home. I'm thinking, of course, of Alexis de Tocqueville, Frenchman who underst- another Frenchman who understood perhaps what our democracy was about more than any other. I'm thinking about G.K. Chesterton, a British man and visited America in the 1920s, wrote a book, What I Saw in America. I'm, of course, thinking about that Cuban Ronald Reagan spoke to in 1964. I'm thinking about Arthur Millick. I'm thinking about – I'm thinking about um, all these Eastern Europeans who no doubt you've spoken to as I have – over the past year worried about the election and of course our great friend and caller from Venezuela of course yeah Alexis who um, gave us such a great shot in the arm over the past really year year and a half it's not to say we who um Study it and grow up here. You want a good word for the day? Autochthonously. Grew up here autochthonously. Can't appreciate it and know it and love it too. But sometimes too many take it for granted. Certainly not those who fight and defend it. They're cut above, they're cut different, as John Stuart Mill would observe, as George Orwell would observe. Other Brits who understood us perhaps better than we understood ourselves. Um, I invited this gentleman to call back. He's won the uniform of the United States. Rob, in surprise. Hi, Rob. Well, hi, Seth. Thanks for having me back. You bet. Um, I, <clears throat> I was going to sort of disagree with Arthur. That's fine. Um, That's fine. Uh, no, until until you read his final paragraph, which really encapsulated everything that uh, we, I think, believe. Um, I I wouldn't call it a need of new conservatism as much as a need for a reinforcement of the values of existing conservatism. And of course, that all goes back to everything we've always talked about. <clears throat> you know, beyond the founders, and then early on between you know Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, and everybody that came uh, afterwards. 
And, and, and I think it really uh, got best explained by Mr. Limbaugh, um, who really, I think, over 30 years um, got the points across that needed to get across, no matter how many people seemed to, you know, dislike what he said, even though most of those people who disliked what he said probably never even listened to him. It's amazing um, when you listened or watched some of these recaps of his uh, obits. They came to bury him, not praise him, uh, if I yeah. can quote uh, if I can quote Caesar uh, or Brutus. And I, um, I have to tell you, it's clear they never listened to him. I mean, right out of the gate, the white supremacy, right out of the gate, the racism. Yeah. As they oh, played yeah. foot, as they have no example. By the way, by the way, Rob, this just irks me to no end because I don't know if you remember the incident with Don Imus. Um, and well, I, I uh, remember the black female. That, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Okay. And he said, and and yeah. he engaged in a, in a verbal hair. racial assault on this black women's basketball team. A verbal racial assault. There's no better. There's no lesser way to put it. And this was a man who the liberals loved to go on the show of. All the NBC reporters, all the Chuck Todd and Tim Russert, they all couldn't, the Andrea Mitchells, they loved going on the show with him. And even yesterday, someone said, I will never forgive Rush Limbaugh for that assault on the black women's basketball players until someone had to correct them and say, sorry, that was Don Imus. These people don't know what the hell they're talking about. Sorry for my French, Rob. It just makes me so damn angry. Oh no, I, I'm I'm totally with your French, and um, I I couldn't agree more. Um, but I think you know the one thing I think Rush had had really gotten across to people, whether they listened or not, was, um, and I think because of his passing, he would want all of us to carry on the torch of liberty and freedom. And I think you know he always used to like to say. You know, illustrating absurd absurdity, um, which usually came from the left, and he would always expose, um, you know, the left, liberal, progressive, secular, anti-left, but the drive-by media. I'm sure you've heard that before, and and the Democrat hypocrisy, all their lies, the elitism, because they couldn't possibly be wrong about anything, their agenda. Uh, their unquenchable thirst for power and and their that, need rob may i add their need to destroy him sure us yeah. but him he yeah. he was the big magnet you know they had everything they had everything yeah. they had nbc yeah. and pbs and npr and cbs and abc and the new york times and the washington post and the la times they yeah. had everything they had to get him though they could not live oh, yeah. with him they couldn't live with him no, and, and and actually, it was the same kind of vitriol, I think, that came uh, after Donald Trump. Um, and I think, but the thing about... Well, because you had two men in the arena, right? You had two men who understood, yep. whatever they understood, they understood the left, you know? Yeah, and, they and, knew, and I, think, yeah. I, I think, again, it was like Winston Churchill. I think Rush understood the threat. The everything America stands for uh, long before others did, including, you know, if you look at some of the conservatives back, you know, in the 50s and 60s, whether it's Buckley or, or, or Goldwater, I think the threat now is, is even greater than it was back then. It's regime level. It is regime yeah. survival level. 
I mean, when you listen to what those things uh, Arthur and I were talking about are coming out at the universities today, when you listen to the Ibram Kendi's and watch what he said, do you remember what he wrote about uh, Amy Barrett um, adopting those children from Haiti? Do you remember that? He said she was erasing their cultural identity and colonizing them. They think that. That's insane. That's it's it's another it's racial true. assault, but it's okay Absolutely. if they do it because you have yeah. the wrong race and the right race, which is nothing so redolent of Nazi Germany from my perspective. Well, no, absolutely right. And I think that's the thing where I think instead of a new conservatism, I think we need a more aggressive pushing back conservatism because I think Rush, uh, along with a few others, saw the threat everything we stand for long before a lot of others did, much like Winston Churchill. And so it's up to us to be Russia's legacy. Uh, well, that's, that's right. He showed us how to fight, and he created – look, without – there's the old notion, without Buckley, no Goldwater. Without Goldwater, no Reagan. I'm going to tell you something. Without Rush, no Newt Gingrich. Without no yeah. Newt Gingrich, no congressional Republican majority ever. And without a congressional majority, no think tanks that matter, no anything that matters, no conservative book clubs, no uh, conservative websites, no power lines, Mm -hmm. no conservative blogospheres. Most importantly, Rob, say it with me, no conservative talk radio. No conservative talk radio, absolutely. That is so true. And, you know, the guy obviously was influential. Um, I think that, in fact, he may have been far more influential than institutions like the Heritage Foundation. I, I said yesterday he may have been more influential than William Buckley at the end, the last 20 years. I, I, I agree with that. I, yeah. I think because he had... Buckley probably a, would have agreed with read. it, too. Buckley would have agreed yeah. with it, too. Yeah, and I hope that Bill and Rush are chatting about this. You know they are. You know they are. You know they are. Yeah, but I think, I think that's the important thing, is that we don't need a new conservatism. We just need a more positive... A martial... Pro-American yeah, a martial, yeah, exactly right. A martial conservatism, a reinvigorated old conservatism. Great points. Let me do a shout out to my friends Bonnie and Jill as we go to break. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We shall be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Hal's in Prescott. Hello, Hal. Seth, hey, uh, great show today. Great well, thank guest. you. Thank you. And uh, th- no, thank you, uh, because it's absolutely necessary. Wasn't that and Arthur I- Millick special? Yeah, you know, uh, he's saying what a smart person from Russia would be saying. Right, right. Uh, I'm is, waiting for yeah. smart Americans to say it. Yeah, yeah. The problem is, is that for smart Russians, it looks familiar. Yep. And uh, for smart Americans, uh, they're bamboozled right. by, uh, you know, our version of Pravda, uh, which is like being a sensory deprivation chamber. Wasn't that you know, so interesting, that point he was making? I, I had never thought of it in those terms. Maybe you had, Hal. I just thought that was a fascinating point. In the se- By the 70s and 80s, he said, every Russian knew they were being fed lies. They knew it. Yeah. Yeah. In America, those propagandized, perhaps half of us, don't. That's fascinating to me, if right, if well, true. Well, they had had decades of practical experience. And, and so, for example, what's happening in Texas now right. 
uh, with the deep freeze down there is the practical experience being red pilled. Uh, and that, you know, it'd be nice to have some coal-fired plants to back it all up. Um, but, uh, you know, but the leadership in Texas, as as good as they have been, did not think seriously and say, okay, in the last hundred years, has there been an ice storm in this state? <laughs> and the answer is yes. There's probably been a bunch of them. We just didn't kind of, you know, remember. Or, or and, maybe, and so, maybe, 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 maybe. It didn't happen under a, a Republican governor we could exploit. Uh, you know what? That's what it is. Yeah, so it goes down the memory hole. Yep. And uh, so I think, uh, you know, there's a number of challenges. There's the the, the, the challenge that um, Mr. Millick, uh, who will hopefully have his Ph.D. soon, is talking about. And uh, so we can call him Dr. Millick. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also the personal. The, he is, he's got the big picture challenge. He's talking about that. Yep. What what has to happen with the movement? But at the personal level, you know, I hope he he and the people at his center uh, with Claremont do some writing about you know what what do you what can people do personally? And and the first step is, you, you know, you may have an idea of what you want to do with your life, but you have to understand that the left has a much bigger, more powerful idea for uh, and plan for your life than you do. That's right. And you need to, if you, if you don't want to live according to their plan, if you want to have your own life, you're going to have to do a lot more to push against them, of course, peacefully and patriotically and legally. Uh, and, uh, you know, through uh, legal means, you're going to have to push back against them so that you can live the life that you want to live. This is the point we're at. Flannery O'Connor uh, says want- you have to push back against the ages. As hard against the age as pushes against you. But you know what my motto is, Hal? My motto is you may not be interested in political philosophy, but political philosophy is interested in you. It is utterly true. That's my motto. And so, and so we have to get used to the idea. Uh, for example, you know, these big places like the Heritage Foundation, they take a lot of money from big business. And uh, so, you know, uh, uh, Facebook is paying the bills over there. And those guys are comfortable. I'm not saying they're all bad, that they're all wrong, that they're that they're not uh, not doing a lot of good things. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that they're owned. And and so, what a lot of people I think need to realize, and what people who have comfortable positions in the conservative movement, for lack of a better term, term need to think about uh, how comfortable they are, and is that comfort preventing them? from addressing the real problem, which is the nature of the regime and whether or not your average American is going to be able to live the life they want to live or the life that the left demands that they live. This is why I'm so impressed that they so unembarrassingly say American way of life. You know, Mm -hmm. that's a phrase, you know, it's going to drive people nuts on the left. It's going to make it's certain people my, on the right even queasy and embarrassed and, and engage in some sort of left-wing Stockholm syndrome, you know, uh, or conservative Stockholm syndrome towards de- in, in, in obeisance to the left over it, right? They're going to apologize for that phrase. But we know what it damn well, – we, we damn well used to know what it meant. And it yeah. didn't mean a hell of a lot more. It didn't mean a heck of a lot more than life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness under the notion of humanity – determining our equality universally yeah that's Fair all it means play. that's all it really means yeah yeah and that's something that you know people's parents used to talk about correct 
there used to be a phrase, the American way. Yep. And the American way of life. And, and that is, and, and this is an example of how they control language. Yep. And this is one of the many things that people, we, we need to talk about more. And their demands that we shut up. It's because they want to control language. You control language. You control what people hear. You control what people think. Nothing drove them so nuts in 2016 as the whole notion, really for four years, that you could have a movement called Make America Great Again. That drove a stake right into the soul of their ideology because the idea that America could, should, or was great was horrific to them, was 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 was. Andrew Cuomo said it. Do you remember? He said yeah. America was never that great. He said it. Well, Andrew Cuomo's kind of a dope. Yeah, but he uh, spoke you know, for so, he spoke for the sentiment of the time. Yeah, in the party, he inadvertently the he inadvertently told the truth. Yeah, he said the quiet he let part the cat out, loud. out of the bag. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and, and this is built into the ideology. And just like uh, Mr. Millick said, this is the ideology. It's to undermine this country and to convince its people that it's not good and not worthy of love and respect. And when you go up against these folks, if you do it in a serious way, they're going to come after you. And so, you know, and this is and this is they are utterly intolerant of anyone who disagrees with them. And what that tells you is that they truly believe in what Andrew Cuomo said, is that this country is never that great. Right. Right. And, and so why do you think it, they create yeah. an entire history curriculum that tells you exactly that, that tells our students exactly that? And what do you think it means that we graduate four million high school students a year and four million college students a year, 80 percent of whom leave their schools thinking that America was never that great? In fact, America was not a light unto the nations, but a blight. That's what they're taught. Now, for 30 years, that 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 chicken has come home to roost. Yeah, and it's and it's called what's happening in Seattle and everywhere else where we have these where we have Antifa. That's the Antifa is the tip of the spear of the which is the consequence of this education. You know, they are just the people who are who are fanatic enough to go and and be kinetic and violent about it. And but there's a huge well of support for what they're doing. People are bailing them out of jail. They have an army of lawyers taking care of them. And and so we come back to you know who teaches the young. Yep, that's the that's exactly right. Plato says the most important question any society can ask is who teaches the young and what are they teaching them? Right? Yeah, it's still yeah. that. Get it's your still. kids out of public school if you can. Get them out. Save the country. That's step one. Get used to being less comfortable. And because if you don't, there's no country. And it's obvious. Uh, it's obvious what they're doing. It's obvious what the results are, and uh, we and you do that by getting to us through our children, as I believe a, uh, a a famous man once said, and that's the strategy. Bless you, Hal. Thanks, Seth. Thank you. We'll be right back. Portions of this show are brought to you by Balance of Nature, my favorite product I've ever taken or endorsed. I'm delighted to be able to do both. It improves your health, your energy, and boosts your immunity. All-natural vine-ripened fruits and veggies picked at their peak of ripeness, tested by a third party for all kinds of impurities. There are no sugars, chemicals, or GMOs. They take these great fruits and veggies from apples to carrots and Reduce them into 
vegetarian capsules using their unique cold press process. If you don't like swallowing the capsules, you can easily open them up and sprinkle them in a drink or food. It's fantastic. It's the most effective whole food supplement on the market as far as I'm concerned. They have a great deal with free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Crispin is in Phoenix. Hello, Crispin. Hey, it's nice to talk to you. Nice to talk uh, to you. I'm going to first say something positive because there's nobody that's so bad hardly that doesn't do something good or someone who's so good that doesn't do something bad. But uh, so I'll, I'll give uh, Limbaugh credit for his work with leukemia and helping Marine uh, children with scholarships. But... Uh, but he was basically a, a pretty mean-spirited person and, and uh, often inaccurate. That's an understatement to say that he was wrong on his facts and also you know, mean-spiritedness, anti-gay. He called uh, Chelsea Clinton, a, a 12-year-old, uh, a White House dog back when she was young. He played Dionne Warwick's song about during the AIDS updates, uh, saying, I'll never love this way again. He just, you know, this stuff that's in extremely bad taste. He, he did apologize for the... Georgia University law student support of uh, covering contraceptives for women. He said, I, mean, uh, I don't even want to say what he said because on family radio, he was, he was not a nice person in terms of the way he spoke about minorities. And uh, his facts are frequently wrong. I suggest looking at Wikipedia and other stuff. I don't have the time to even tell you about. So, And if they're making America great again, the thing that bothered the liberals, and I'm one of them, is that I want to say, uh, so is America no longer? You're implying that America is no longer great. I want to say, when did it cease becoming great, and and what period did you feel America was great, and when did it stop? And no one ever asked Trump that, <laughs> because uh, most liberals do think America is great. It just has flaws and things we need to work on. When um, when Andrew Cuomo said America was never that great, or when Michelle well, Obama said, right, or when Michelle you. Obama said. This is the first time I've ever been we're proud. We're talking about Limbaugh. Am I getting, it's, it's a, oh, I th- I'm sorry. I thought you were bringing in other people. Am I allowed to it's talk uninterrupted or only you, Chris? When, when you have two children. You just, you just said the entire right has to be asked, when was America never that great? What liberals said it. I'm giving you two pretty impressive ones. The governor of New York and the former first lady of the country. You, what did Trump mean by that is what I'm asking. Oh, He's the one sure. The it's really easy. It's when really did it cease easy. Becoming great, huh? When did, it, when did it cease being great? If you say make it a great again, that implies that it's not great now. Well, what not? did Andrew Cuomo mean when he said it I'm was never that? Hey, Crispin, can't you focus? Are we going to talk back and forth for a second? Well, I'm, I'm waiting to hear you respond. Well, you won't Go hear ahead. me if you're going to interrupt me. So I'll give you the answer by putting you on hold so that you can't yield to your worst impulses here, which is to interrupt and not listen and not learn. So listen and learn. When the left continually runs down America. And when it is taught from K through 12 and, th- and from 12 through 16 that we are a blight unto the world and not a light unto the nations. And when it uses as its most prominent history textbook a people's history of the United States, which has none of the positive attributes of this country and only the negative ones, when you have an entire movement that is sponsored by the New York Times, which tells you this country was founded – Its chief founding purpose was slavery and changes our founding date rather than everything we used to know that this chief purpose, the chief purpose of our founding was freedom 
and liberty and equality and 1776 when you have professional athletes who are making $23 million a year off this country telling you the country is racist while they are making that money from countries in from countries that engage in slave labor like China and shame you for standing for the national anthem and tell you that law enforcement is pigs and bacon that needs to be fried. And you have first ladies telling you the only time they were ever proud of this country was because it nominated her husband to be the president and the governor of New York saying this country was never that great. When you have all that, yeah, you certainly got to think that maybe there is a movement in this country that doesn't like 1776 and doesn't think this country was that great. As far as a few things that Rush Limbaugh may have said here and there, I've yet to hear the racist one. You didn't give me an example of that. But I will tell you, when for 33 years you say 85,000 words a week, yeah, I'm going to guess you can find four things he said that may not have been his proudest moments. I'm going to also bet this, Crispin. I'm going to bet I can find 85,000 of yours that aren't so great either. Edmund Burke once said that uh, manners are more important than laws because they coarsen or soothe the soul. One can say that about a nation, too. And I've just never understood the ethic that um, forgets what we learned 600 years ago before the Common Era, which is the need, the need to speak ill of the dead. I've just never understood. I've never understood that. But just to give you an idea of the kind of difference between what you're hearing about Rush from the likes of what we just heard and, say, Donald Trump when being caught off guard and surprised about the death of a liberal, let's say Ruth Bader Ginsburg, this is what transpired. Go ahead, Bill. She just died? Wow. I didn't know that. I just, uh, you're telling me now for the first time. She led an amazing life. What else can you say? She was an amazing woman. Whether you agreed or not, she was an amazing woman who led an amazing life. Okay, there you have it. And the reason there was music from Elton John in the background was because that was uh, at the end of a rally where they always played that. Elton John played at his wedding, by the way. Um... I didn't answer the question, what does it mean to make America great? I gave the examples of why we thought we needed to talk about it. But sure, uh, it's, it's, it's really easy. I said it's easy, and it is easy. It really is. It's um, returning money back to the people who make it and earn it and giving them job opportunities and expanding job opportunities and employment opportunities for populations that the Democratic Party had talked about for years and did nothing about so that you improve black employment rates, Hispanic employment rates and female employment rates to degrees not seen in 50 years. It means reducing the poverty level, which had been frozen for 30 years. It means taking on the communists that want to take over our industries. It means ending the opioid crisis or at least putting a dent in it in communities that people had forgotten about because they were considered washed out and quote unquote deplorable, 
communities. It means all that and it means a lot more. It means being respected on the world stage so that we're not paying international institutions so that they can hold us hostage. It means creating peace deals that other presidents had dreamed about and couldn't do in 40 years. It means keeping us out of war and not starting foreign wars and it means destroying ISIS. How's that for a start? Not bad, not bad at all, I say. Steve and Tempe, how are you? Uh, Seth, not bad at all. And uh, I just wanted to let you know, I was at a conference this afternoon that Governor Scott Walker spoke at. Uh, it's young. It's, it's, uh, I don't know if you know his organization, but it's uh, Young Young Americans Foundation. And it's uh, well, if that's the group that came out of uh, is that the old uh, Young Americans for Freedom group that came out of the Sharon Connecticut statement? Is it that group? It might be. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Okay. Seth, but it's it, it's a group that's basically designed to go into schools, uh, be on campuses, and to try to influence conservative leadership. Yeah, it's the old Young Americans Freedom Foundation that Bill Buckley started in 1961 at his home in Sharon, Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, you bet. I believe believe that, yeah, Yeah. that's correct. I believe that's correct, yeah. And anyways, um, he spoke, and it it was great. One of the, and and, um, I'll, uh, I wanted to tell you two things from the conference. One of the things that I, questions I asked him at the end of the conference, they had a question and answer period, and I asked him about the, um, uh, 1619 project, yeah. and uh, which is obviously designed to rewrite history as to the, and I won't go into the details on that, but, um, you know, obviously the Young Americans Foundation organization is designed to uh, try to keep uh, people like uh, Crispin to a, a minority, which uh, I know we, I know we are already doing, but, um, and by the way, I, I, I you know, Seth, I have to say, I I really appreciated your standing up for Rush like you did in the in the wake of what what he had to say. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's an absolute disgrace to denigrate a man like that the the day after he passes away. And he look and you know he can say all of, all the bad negative things that uh, he wants about him, but the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, Rush makes some mistakes in his life. He sure did. All of us do. Did he say some things he probably wished he You know what's interesting said? about that, Steve? You know, this guy yeah. um, pulled out three or four quotes over a 33-year career. I have yeah. listened to Rush off and on since uh, 91, 92. You want to know something? I didn't remember any of them. Yeah. You know, you can focus... You can focus yeah. on, on those four things and be obsessed by it and let it keep you up at night. Four things, yeah. four, four, four sentences out of 33 years... 85,000 yeah. words a week. You can do that, and you can define a person that way. Sure you can. It's not the yeah. way most people judge most people. You take a man in the totality of his acts. You take a man in the totality of his circumstances. And if you have any notion of decency, you think about a man or a woman for the best things in their life and not the, right. um, not the stumbles that we all make. It's just, right. you know, I, it, to be measured by that standard, to say 85,000 words a week yeah. for 33 years and not make a mistake is not a standard anyone can meet. But that man, yeah. Rush, he did it better than anyone. He did it better than anyone. Seth, he did. And, and I, I wanted to, to add to what you said. 
Um, I never met Rush. I've never spoken to him. I w- really wish that I had, though, because everybody that knows him well calls him one of the, the kindest, most most decent men, generous men that they've. It's that absolutely they've ever true. Met. I don't know if you I heard if you if you hadn't had a chance to listen to the interview I did with Bill Bennett about him yesterday. He told some stories of that. I did. You bet. I did. And, and that, that, you bet. Can I add, add one more thing? Make it quick, buddy. I wanted to say that my my uh, recommendation is the person who uh, who takes over for Rush, President Donald J. Trump. Interesting, interesting, interesting. All right, brother, preach it. You want to judge someone by the language they occasionally used? You wouldn't have a civil rights act. I don't really love the Great Society, but for those who love it, you wouldn't have that either. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stubbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Theodore Roosevelt. Take a look at some of his language over time, too. But you don't have to go that far because you see what the movement does to those whose language was impeccable, who understood the words, that words being impeccable mattered. I'm talking about Abraham Lincoln. And yet, his name can't be on a school. You tell me we have nothing to worry about keeping this country great? You bet we do. You bet we do. It's not the critic who counts. Cold and timid souls. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, I am Seth Leibson, class dismissed.